Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome. It is a delight to be with you this week, and I have another great show for you. I am so excited to dive into conversation with Sue Frederick today because there is much commonality, both in our lives as well as in our recent writings. And before the show, we were talking about how information can come through many different voices, and I think that's because oftentimes we each hear it in a different way. My trilogy was a three-book manual written from Soul, and it detailed out the multidimensional human from a different perspective. Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience talks about your identity, the unconscious part of you that we think is conscious, but is really walking mostly unconscious in the world, often encountering spiritual crisis. Being the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace is the very unconscious part of us, the shadow, the animal, the monster, the demon that actually contributes to co-creating a lot of what we see in the world as greater spiritual crisis. And the third book, Knowing the Seven Blessings of Human Experience, is really a return to humanity. What I love about the book, Through a Divine Lens, Practices to Quiet Your Ego and Align with Your Soul, is you have that combination in here, all of the humanity and the divinity, and so much of it in terms of how to show you not only the practices, but an example of what the walk looks like. We really are living either from our ego or from our soul, and we have a choice in every minute. Right now, the world is appearing as if we are in tremendous spiritual crisis. There's so much going on on the individual and collective level that there's no greater time to dive into a book that really helps to guide you, such as the one we're talking about today. I want to start off with what she opens with in the book. When I'm on a path and aligned with divine order, I feel of use to the greater message, the larger truth, the highest good. Love moves through me like a ray of light piercing everything, a laser beam opening my heart. I'm finally out of my own way. When I forget about divine order, nothing makes sense. My sadness is legendary. My hunger is hopeless. Heartbreak brings me to my knees in despair. Everyone betrays me. My mother, brother, sister, lover, friend. I'm a boat without a mooring. Fear blocks my inner voice. My mind tricks me. I let it. When I remember to throw out the ego lens and reach for my divine lens, I see the loving godness of our universe. Sacred wisdom once again pours through me showering the world in diamonds, each one forged from the fire of tremendous loss. Forgiveness abounds. I'm held by the angels. Soul regressions are another aspect that Sue Frederick shares, and we'll talk more about that. But that opening really does illustrate the places that we all have been and the place that we are destined to go. Sue Frederick is an ordained unity minister, clairaudient, and master numerologist. She channels messages and prayers from the angelic realm and receives wisdom from guides and departed loved ones to help people heal grief and find purpose. 
She uses sacred numerology and mystical information in her books and teachings. And Reverend Sue Frederick is the author of 11 books, including the one we're discussing today, Through a Divine Lens, Practices to Quiet Your Ego and Align with Your Soul, as well as the Sacred Numerology Workbook. Welcome, Sue, to 1111 Talk Radio. I am delighted and honored to have you. Oh, thank you, Simran. It's such an honor to be here. I love your voice. It's so filled with love and, and grace and beauty. It's an honor to be on your show. Oh, well, thank you. I love the humanity of your book. I do believe that right now, individuals in many different ways are looking at experiencing, um, expressing spiritual crisis. And I want to talk a little bit about why the focus of things that we're going to discuss, such as self-doubt and fear and anger and jealousy or depression and anxiety, are so important to really focus in on in order to shift that spiritual crisis. Well, the great irony of life is that we're walking through this physical realm with one foot in the mundane and the physical and the ego and one foot in the divine. So we have to sort of navigate both. And wouldn't it be fun, Simran, if we didn't have to have our foot in the physical part of it and have to have grief and pain and anger and sadness? But the thing is, as a human, when we drop into this realm, it's often only heartbreak and pain that wakes us up to look at the bigger picture, explore those questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Is there a God? Where did my loved one go? Those questions we don't usually ask until we're having self-doubt, fear, grief, you know, all the hard pieces of being in the earth realm. And it's so true. We were talking about how uh, our lives have been filled with so much drama, but in a sense, I think human beings do love drama. I mean, look at the movies we watch, look at the things <laughs> we engage in. We do tend to want to go there, and yet we begin as innocence. I mm. love how in the book you talk about these different lower, denser energies from the standpoint of a camera, of a lens. I recently uh, attended a, a camera workshop with my son, and he's gotten very much into it. And he was taking pictures, but everything really, really close up. He all of a sudden wanted everything just right in the camera to where he didn't get the entire image mm -hmm. or even a landscape behind it. And as I read your book, I thought, you know, that really is so much of what's taking place right now for so many. We are so close in to what we're looking at that it's hard to understand there is a bigger picture taking place. And, you know, the whole book um, through a divine lens was channeled in after I had a vision from a fever that is exactly what you're expressing, where the guides and the angels held me kind of in space looking at planet Earth from a distance. And it was so beautiful. It was kind of night dark. And then they were showing me all these lights shooting up from different places on the earth. And I saw this like moving river of light moving around the globe, filling in the dark places. And I said, what is that? And the guide said, every time a soul on earth wakes up to their <clears throat> divinity, their higher purpose, a light beam shoots up out of their heart to illuminate the darkness and it awakens others. 
And I said, <clears throat> so what, why are you showing me this? And they, they said, because the next few years on earth will be a lot of chaos, a lot of drama. And you have to remember that no matter what it looks like up close, when you back up and look at the bigger picture, you see that the light is always winning. The love is always winning. That's such a critical message right now because it's so easy to get sucked under by what the two eyes see and, and to stay in that duality rather than uh, really looking from that that single perspective of everything is divine in a bigger picture. Isn't it fascinating, Simran, that after everything humanity has been through and you know, I always say that I was a child of the 60s. I marched against the war, you know, and I lived in an ashram. I st- And I just thought humanity was like evolving so well and things things were going really well on earth. <laughs> and I laugh when I say it because clearly we were not completely awake, awakened here. And now as I look at all the chaos happening, <clears throat> I just think, wow, you know, now I can't even watch the news. And I was a journalist for 20 years. Now I have to turn within every day and connect to source and angel and divinity wisdom and focus on that. And I used to be able to watch the news and and kind of like it, you know, and and now it's forced me so much to be focused on the higher realm and on the messages from spirit and I think this is why it had to get so bad here on earth so that we would stop living in our heads and our ideas and our beliefs and really have to shift into the heart. Mm. When I first began my work uh, about two decades ago, there was a line that kept repeating in my head. And I would write that uh, in different articles and things like that. And the line was, there's purpose in your pain. Mm -hmm. And as I read your book, you have a similar line, but you've switched the words. You've (laughs) said that pain is your purpose. And that's so true, especially now, especially looking at things that are happening. Expound a little bit on that so that individuals can understand why and how pain could be our purpose. Well, I, I learned early on in my own journey that the thing that breaks us open becomes our fuel. So if we look back at our life and we say, what were my moments of greatest pain and and really explore them and then say, what if my greatest work or my greatest purpose here is offering to others what I wish had been offered to me in my moment of greatest pain? And now suddenly we're understanding that Gee, when my husband died in my arms and I was 29 and I was really angry at whatever kind of God would cause a beautiful young man to suffer and die, then when I turn it around and say, gee, I wish someone in my life at that point, instead of telling me it was a terrible tragedy and that I would someday find love again, all this stuff that did not help, I wish someone had been saying, ah, let's look at this from your soul's view and understand why you had this soul contract with your husband and what your purpose is here to help others going through grief. This is the way when we look at our life, we begin to see, ah, 
I agreed to come here and be a helper, be a healer, be someone to bring my unique gifts to the world. And I'm speaking as everyone right now. And so when I look at my pain story, I begin to get clarity on what I came to help with. And and that means that we are, number one, pointing our focus not only at what we're looking at, but how we're looking at it. Right. You know, there's a moment in the book where I talk about how we can go through our life being angry at the world and being blameful and blaming everyone else for everything that's happened to us. And certainly all of us have been there. I mean, that's part of the human experience. But that one moment when we say, is there another way to look at this? Or even to just look up and say, please divine guides or God consciousness or whatever words you want to put to it, lift me up and show me a different view, a different way. That prayer is always answered. And suddenly now we're not a victim. Suddenly now we're understanding the way more complicated view of humanity's evolution, the interplay between consciousness, soul, ego, life plans, soul agreements, and the pain of walking through the human journey. Ah, now my heart is wide open and I am seeking wisdom. That is what I have discovered in my own experiences, that and whether it's being a Pisces or simply because I'm human, it was so much about wanting to feel, needing yes. to really look at the experiences and feel them. And so often individuals think, well, if, I, if I'm moving from these experiences, I just need to flip a switch and just be in this other place where I look at things differently. But there's almost a bridge walk between, let's say, fear and that place that you look at it from the divine lens or anger and jealousy. Can you talk about the stretch of the walk in between? You know, the thing is, you're so right, Simran. Like, if we have not allowed ourselves to feel that pain, we are going to skim along the surface of life trying to avoid it and never really become who we came here to be. I'm so glad you said you're a Pisces. You know, I have, I'm a Virgo sun sign, but basically everything else in my chart is Pisces. And I'm so glad I had that Virgo sun sign because I have been crying my way through life for 70 years. <laughs> All right, sister, that makes two of us. <laughs> yes. And, you know, early on, people would say, you know, quit crying. That's weak, you know. And now I understand. Understand? No, it was my ability to <clears throat> to feel that pain so deeply that now allows me to be a healer here and to help other people, and that's our choice here. You know, we this beautiful universe is an interplay between our free will of every moment deciding what we're going to choose to focus on and feel versus destiny of, gee, I came here to be a helper, a healer, a teacher. Where is that next step to get to that path? That interplay between free will and destiny is the walk of life. That permission to give oneself is of the highest importance because we we do live in a world that kind of uh, promotes perfectionism or <laughs> especially with selfies, especially with social media, especially 
with, you know, celebrities. It's this ideal look that we are supposed to have. And I think that feeds the ego to going in the direction that it's going in thinking that it is serving, when actually that might not always be the same direction as the soul, correct? Well, the funny thing is that in this world that we're in right now, people actually are fooling themselves into believing that we can attain some kind of perfection here on earth. The soul is laughing about that because our souls know that we don't come to earth to be perfect. And actually, there is no perfection in the human realm because everything is a process of learning and evolution. And so when we lift up and realize that, we say, ah, perfection only lives in the divine realms, in soul, in spirit. It's not about how beautiful your home is or how beautiful your body is. These are such a wrong focus, such an ego focus, but there's no shame in it because we're learning from that, hopefully. I mean, I think there has been some progress lately. I heard somebody say that models these days are being encouraged to be a little overweight and all this. And as as shallow as that sounds, I'm thinking, well, that's a good sign because, you know, these models have represented some image of perfection that is absolutely unattainable here on earth unless you are destroying yourself at the same time. And that creates the added stress. That creates that kind of wave of stress that we even feel from other people. And the disconnect from the soul's wisdom, you know, that's really the problem here today on earth is that we're walking around focused on the physical world so intently on all the details of the the news and the body and the and the physical pieces of it <clears throat> and we may even go to a church and sit there and listen to stuff you know but the truth is we don't ever need to go to a church we just need to quiet the mind turn inward access the heart the soul's wisdom and let that guide us. And, you know, I've been meditating every day since the 70s, and I know I wouldn't have found my way through this journey if I didn't close my eyes and quiet my mind and look and sit within and look within, within the silence at least once a day. Because other than that, we're pulled completely outside of ourselves. And yes, that causes stress, anxiety, self-doubt, fear, all the little things that the ego creates for us. Let's talk a little bit about doubt, because when we look at things that are happening in our lives, whether it's someone going through a divorce or financial issues or conflict in their family, the death of someone or flipping on the television to try to get distracted and then see all of that that's going on, it's easy for doubt to creep in, both self-doubt, divine doubt. What do you tell individuals in terms of um, facing that doubt first and foremost, because I've discovered for myself, if we don't trust life, if we don't trust the universe, if we don't trust ourselves, then we're living in a a house that won't stand. Well, here's the thing I tell clients is that everybody walking on earth, every human being, has self-doubt. Now, we all try to pretend that we don't, and we try to look beautiful and all these things that humans do that are so silly, all to hide the fact that everyone's walking around wondering if they're good enough, because the ego 
you know, we misinterpret what the ego is doing to us. The ego's only job on earth is to keep us alive. And so the ego is going to fill us with fear and angst and anger, and you've got to be perfect, and there's never enough to go around, and it's all about competition and accumulation. That's the voice of the ego. And the ego says, who do you think you are to think you have something to offer other people? That's the ego at work. And we think the ego is all about being boastful and overly confident. That's just the personality that hides what we're really feeling. But the ego, as long as we haven't quieted the mind, we're going to be lost in that voice of self-doubt that pushes us in the wrong direction. But the minute we say, I am a powerful divine being, just like everyone else here, And I came here to do my work in the world using my gifts and my talents and my pain as fuel, and I will do it with all my heart no matter what. Now, we are in alignment with the soul, and even when the ego pipes up and goes, well, who do you think you are to do that? We recognize it as not the voice of the soul, and we're able to keep going. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. I think another point that you bring up in the book is fear, and everyone feels fear, but you have a very simple line, but it's packed with a lot of punch. And the line is, when you're afraid of anything or anyone, it means your ego voice has the upper hand and has drowned out the voice of your soul. God, that's so true, you know? And I look at the world today and how many things are being guided by fear? I mean, especially politics, you know, and I just think, boy, you know, the ego is having its day in our world right now. And and what you and I know, Simran, is that everything has to be revealed to be healed. <laughs> and someday humanity will look at this time period and all the things that are happening and say, you know, that had to happen so that we could break open as a culture, as a world, and really get back to the core of who we are, our hearts, our souls, helping each other, connecting each other. And it kind of seems like humanity had to create a crisis here on earth in order for us to find our hearts again. And we're still in the middle of that crisis. We most definitely are. You have a a beautiful uh, paragraph where you say, when love is not given freely, your energy becomes stagnant, which creates neurosis, dependency, psychosis, and fear. These are symptoms of misalignment with your higher self, basically spiritual constipation. (laughs) And I, I thought that was another one that the audience would really find powerful because that's so true when individuals find themselves stagnant, when they're in that loop Mm -hmm. of thinking that they can't get out of or they're gripped with fear, Mm -hmm. simply becoming aware that this is a misalignment. This is spiritual constipation that is taking place. And also the remedy, you know, we go through life thinking, I'm here to get things. I'm here to get love. I'm here to get, uh, you know, success. And that puts us in this backwards energy flow. (laughs) And what I mean by that is the minute we turn it around and say, oh, I am connected to source, therefore, I am now flowing love and kindness and compassion out to the world. I am the vehicle of unconditional love that comes down from source, God consciousness, through me 
out to the world and just see and feel that energy coming out of your heart to the world. And then go walk about your day, go do errands, whatever you do, and be aware of this energy flow pushing out to everyone. You don't even have to say a word, just send that love out. And you will be amazed at how people like kind of turn and do a double take and then they might smile at you. And it's all because you are sending love out to help everyone feel better. That is the greatest exercise for turning around depression or fear or neediness or feeling unloved. Once we recognize we're the source of that love, that changes everything. Yeah, I love how you uh, titled the chapter on sadness, depression, and anxiety, Ego Cataracts, because that's really (laughs) what it is. It's all clouded, right? Yes, I forgot about that. You make me laugh because I remember things like ego cataracts now, and that's so true. It's like the cloud that clouds our vision so that we really can't see the truth of what's happening. And I am great friends with sadness, so I know all about that particular emotion. (laughs) And, you know, grief has been my greatest teacher in this life, and I lost my husband quite young in my 20s and then my best girlfriend the following year and my, you know, another, I can't even go into it. I'd say 10 people that I loved most were all all crossed over when I was in my early 30s. Um, you know, sadness became my 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 emotion of choice. And as I look back at that now, I realize that what I was really sad for was the lack of my connection to the divine because grief had crushed me in a way and sent me on my journey of growth. And the minute I was able to go, what I'm really longing for here is my connection to God consciousness or source, whatever you want to call it. And so the minute I open my heart and begin to feel that connection again, my sadness goes away, and then I'm aware that life continues beyond the physical. And my departed husband actually has messages for me, and my girlfriend Chrissy is trying to cheer me up from the divine realms. And now I'm living in a very different world where sadness is not necessary because I'm understanding the invisible realms. That's the shift that grief can push us to. Your ego lens only reveals a small piece of your story, a moment of utter loss that separates you from your higher self and from the higher selves of others. This separation from your soul shows up in your life as fear, confusion, depression, addiction, and anger. Fear, addiction, pain, and despair occur when we lose our connection to our higher self, our divinity. Of course, we all experience moments of great pain and despair. It's part of our human journey here on earth. Listen to the inner voice that speaks with love and not fear. At that moment, you're lifted into the divine view of life. This is from Sue Frederick's book that I urge you to pick up. It is titled, Through a Divine Lens, Practices to Quiet Your Ego and Align with Your Soul. Also, you want to go to her website, suefrederick.com, which is in the show notes, and check out the Sedona March Retreat. It's a Sedona Ascension Retreat that she will be participating at, and I'm sure it will be something that's quite fulfilling. We'll be right back with more of Sue Frederick and Through a Divine Lens right after these messages.
Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Before we get back to Sue Frederick and Through a Divine Lens, I want to mention an audiobook that I've just completed for another author. Her name is Lynn Renoir, and she wrote a book titled Leaving Faith, Finding Meaning. You can look that up on Audible. It's a fascinating story of someone that went through a, a fundamentalist background and also a very abusive childhood and her own search to find meaning if she couldn't trust her faith. And it's it's an amazing story simply because it illustrates that we all do get to that place of recognizing oneness, recognizing source, regardless of what we have to experience in our lives. This might be an interesting story for you to check out, especially the fact that she started channeling Aristotle uh, by accident. And so that's a real, real interesting piece of the story as well. So once again, that is Leaving Faith, Finding Meaning by Lynn Renoir. Check it out on Audible. My guest today is Sue Frederick, and she has written a book titled Through a Divine Lens, Practices to Quiet Your Ego and Align with Your Soul. Imagine looking at life from a camera. You're either looking close up or you have a panoramic view. The detailed focus view is the ego lens view. 
Or you can use that panoramic lens on the camera and suddenly see a larger world with endless possibilities and meanings, which you can realize when focused on the one moment of great pain is not possible. You can understand that your soul story within this larger panoramic view of all of our shared soul stories, this is the divine lens. This is what Sue talks about in her book, Through a Divine Lens, and she offers multiple practices to quiet your ego and align with your soul. Check out her uh, retreat that she is participating at, the Sedona Ascension Retreat in March. You can find out more about that at suefrederick.com. Again, that link is in the show notes. Welcome back, Sue. I want to talk a little bit about grief. You mentioned that earlier, and uh, I we probably could um, fill up oceans with the amount of tears we both cried. And <laughs> I say that to give individuals permission to feel it because I do think that tears and grief and shedding emotion is often looked down upon in so many cultures and societies that when we let individuals know that it really is healthy to shed what we're feeling in order to lift ourselves back up is important. But I found grief to be almost a portal or a special doorway into opening to greater insights or a deeper connection with spirit, but I had to let myself go there first. Talk a little bit about what your experience of grief was. That is so beautiful that you said grief is a portal because it is, and we have to walk through the door, you know? And I must have really signed up for an, I must have been determined before I came to earth that I was going to really grow here and I was going to move past my excuse me, I was going to move past my pain and I was going to become a healer of some kind because I signed up for the grief journey (laughs) and the grief journey is so intense. And any listeners right now who are listening, who are grieving, don't be afraid of that pain and allow yourself to spend five minutes a day with it, at least sitting in the pain, healing it, crying it out, And there's many meditations in my book to help you move that pain through your body and out and cry your eyes out whenever you can. And the reason we have to do that is because once we stop trying to avoid the pain, we walk through the portal of awakening that grief offers, and it brings us to this place of wisdom, of understanding, of stepping into the power of knowing that love is all that matters here on earth. That is the great gift of grief. Mm. Yeah, it, it really is a softening experience because that expunging of whatever we're carrying or feeling also helps to soften our hearts enough to be able to love more. You know, I always say that my grief taught me <clears throat> that I I kind of overloved everyone after I went through grief. And the way I explain that is, you know, when my daughter was born, it was such a miracle. It was several years after I'd lost my husband and I didn't think I could get pregnant. And so we always joke that um, because I'd lost so many loved ones but by the time she was born, that I just wanted to cherish every moment with her and sort of overloved her, you know. And now she says, well, mom, that causes problems too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) she's, She's 30 now, you know, and she's had to like push me away for a while to find her her footing. 
And that's what love is about. It's like when somebody dies in your arms, ah, you wake up and say, my gosh, why wasn't I more loving, more compassionate? Why didn't I say this or that kind thing to that person? Why didn't I tell someone that they were so important to me? These are the things that matter. And when death crosses our path, we understand that. And then we may, just like me, kind of overlove everyone. And that's when we have to then get back to center and learn, wait a minute, I'm here as a source of love, but it can't be entangled in any kind of fear. Fear is the opposite of love. I can't be afraid that someone else will cross over and I'll lose them. Instead, I have to know in my heart that life continues beyond the physical and I can love and cherish every moment and then surrender to whatever that person's soul path is and where it's going to take them. Mm. Yes, that that love without conditions, right? Love without right. strings, love without attachments. Right. You you have certainly encountered many losses through death and I think with the past few years with you know health issues and now looking at things that are taking place in different countries where people are dying, death is very much probably that fear that's on the forefront of many people's minds mm-hmm. and gripping them in their own constriction. But there's another type of death that takes place as well, and it's it's that death of identity that can kind of continuously happens. And I've discovered that the grief can be equal even in that situation where we are dying to identities, dying to yes. being a wife of someone or dying to being the mother of someone or dying to not being this type of business anymore. There's all types of grief mm-hmm. that can uh, ask us to look at where our ego was, but also look at what our soul is directing to. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I think the most beautiful thing that we can use to help us as we move through life is to understand that everything here is changing all the time and we are required to change and grow here, which means we're all going to have reinvention cycles, reinvention moments. This is why I practice sacred numerology, because that system lays out exactly where those reinvention points will be. And it's kind of like having a soul review while you're still in the body. And you can go back and go, oh, wow, I hit that ending of a cycle right after Paul died when I was in my late 20s. Wow, I didn't know it at the time, but that was like a preordained reinvention point. And then we look back at all those reinvention points and we go, at each one of those, I thought my world had ended. And then I moved through it. I surrendered. I let let the past go. And look how much greater my life became. So now when a, a, a reinvention point comes to us, we're more able to go, all right, I surrender to whatever this needs to be or however it needs to happen because I know that somewhere on the other side of this is a new and better part of my journey here. We are composed of cycles and rhythms. We each come in with a a soul plan that we are to live out. Talk a little bit more about sacred numerology and how one can use that or, or what that looks like for an individual. 
Well, the greatest gift for me when I was grieving Paul, and I also say that he was my greatest spiritual teacher, because when your young, beautiful husband dies in your arms when you're 29, that's quite a spiritual awakening moment. And he has come back so much to inform me. But the only way I found my way through that loss back then was that finally I had seen therapists, all kinds of people, nothing was helping. I was so angry, so sad. And then a numerologist sat with me and said, let me show you all of this from your soul's perspective. And I was like rolling my eyes, you know, like I was really in pain. And I said, okay. And she talked to me about my reinvention cycles, about my soul mission, what I came here to do, what my soul agreement was with Paul and why he crossed over, why I was here. And all I can tell you is that in that one hour with her, I came home to myself. I came home to remembering my soul, remembering the life plan I had put in place before I got here, and suddenly knowing, gee, on some level, I agreed to this. Not my conscious mind, of course, not my ego, but my soul agreed to this moment for a reason that serves highest good for myself and others. Um, numerology in the way I look at it and the way I've studied it since the 70s and the way I help clients with it. And everybody does numerology a little different. So I do want to say that I call mine sacred numerology because it's really about viewing our lives from the soul's perspective. That has informed all of my work with clients, all of my books. And it really, that conversation that numerology can be a catalyst for, brings people home to themselves, no matter how much grief or loss or loss of identity they may be facing. The deceptive intelligence, also known as the ego, will always try to step in. So when you were going through that hour, it sounds like you were listening from your soul to be able to return to your soul. You weren't listening from the ego because that would have resulted probably in two very different life paths. I have chills as you say that because that is the truth. That is why, you know, when I do a session with a client, I meditate on their path before it begins. And my intention is that spirit will help them open their heart for this conversation, no matter how much pain they're in. The cynical mind is part of the ego, and it's just trying to keep us safe, you know, and it's going, hey, don't believe in that woo-woo stuff, or who knows what will happen to you. <laughs> and the soul is going, ah, this is the truth I have been waiting to remember. And so when I work with a client, I really try to bring that conversation to that opening moment. And when I say, you know, that conversation with my first numerologist changed me, you know, yes, she had an ability to sit there and talk to me from her heart, from her soul, which then really kind of resonated my heart and soul to open. And um, that's what healers do. You know, everybody uses different techniques for it, but healers are here to help us get back in touch with the open heart and the soul's wisdom. For me, that's what I try to do with numerology to help others. Beautiful. 
You pose a question actually in the book, and that question is, why does the world seem more cynical than ever? (laughs) That is the question of the year. (laughs) (laughs) And here's what my answer is, just from my own um, experience of observing it. And I came, I was born in a very left-brain logical family in the Deep South, and and I had to fight my way through that because I was taught that the only thing of value in life is being logical, left-brain, practical, mundane-focused, and that had to apply to career, relationship, sense of self, and I was not that way. I was born as a very right-brain, intuitive, sensitive, crying person, (laughs) and so my family made me seem or feel that that was because I was less than everyone. Um, That was back in the 50s, you know, there wasn't a lot of consciousness back then, and so what I say to people today is, you know, the the world is shifting right now. There has never been a better time of understanding that the logic left brain mind is not the reality of who we are, and it has not served us. Yes, we have great structures in place from the left brain and great corporations, but look where it has brought us because we've lost touch with the higher, more important voice of the soul and the heart. And so in this moment of shift, what I see happening is they can apply all the logic they want to these world problems, and it's not going to make things better until we shift into the dominant part of ourselves leading our lives, being the heart and the soul and the compassion. Now we've quieted the left brain, and it is no longer our God. You can really say that in today's world, the left brain logic mind is people's God, and that is not a God. That is the ego. Yeah, You have another wonderful couple of lines. There's a journey you have to take, a paddle to shore, a trip through your shark-infested mind. It's your journey from dark to light, from fear to love, from nowhere to everywhere. Uh, that yes. is so that yes. is so important to think yes. about, you know, that we're not just going to sit here partying our life away and remember who we are and fulfill our soul purpose. I wish it were true that we could do that, but that's not how we set up this realm. So yeah, we have to go on the journey. And yes, the waters of our mind are shark infested, <laughs> and yet we have more power than we know. And are the circumstances that we're all facing from a war to you know losing loved ones to career crumbling we are greater than those circumstances our consciousness is greater than any circumstances here in the physical world but we have forgotten that and we have to shift our focus to remember it hmm. there seems to be a really fine line though between um, what can look like ego, and then what is soul. And that particularly occurs when it comes to work or career for individuals that are looking for or engaged in successful and meaningful work is everyone's not going to go become a healer, a teacher, an energy worker. And I think that some people may have a question about, well, if I'm over here being a librarian or if I'm over here being, you know, at some other type of occupation, 
How do I know if it's my ego or my soul? Does that become based on agenda? And yeah, well, first of all, it has to do with how you feel in going to work. You know, everybody is here on their own reinvention cycles, their own unique soul path. And if you're a librarian and every day when you go to work, your heart and your soul is joyful and feeling you're really serving your purpose and you know you can go and help people find what they need, then yes, you are on your soul path. It doesn't mean it won't change when you hit a reinvention point, but it means for now, you are fulfilling your mission. And I guarantee you, once you've really learned and evolved in that situation, you will probably hit your reinvention point and it'll, you'll be called to step up to the next level of your work, whatever that is. And I do think the world of work is shifting right now. And I think AI is going to be a part of that. And I think we are all being called to no longer be driven just for the paycheck. I'm going to go do this horrible job that I hate just for the paycheck. That paradigm is crumbling and I'm glad of it. My first book is called I See Your Dream Job, and I was applying numerology and intuition to our work. You can still get that book on Amazon. And I do believe we are each called in our own time, in our own way, to step up to our greater gifts and our greater purpose. Ultimately, our soul wants our fulfillment, right? It wants us to have good lives, to feel as if we have lived fulfilled lives. And oftentimes it can be scary to let life crumble. And and we're seeing a lot of that, not just individually, but but, uh, socially and and collectively, Mm -hmm. to let that crumble and take that leap of faith, to let those, uh, those wings kind of unfold as we're diving off the cliff. You know, the leap of faith is everything. I I wrote that quote in Through a Divine Lens about, you know, once I had taken the leap, I realized that the light lives in the leap. And it's so true. I mean, all of us have moments in life where we're standing on the edge of a cliff and all we want to do is back up and cry and curl up in a fetal position. And yet the moment we take that leap with a courageous heart into the path that feels loving and happy and good to us, no matter how scary it is. Once we take that leap, we fly. It opens the heart. It brings us to magic. I've had so many of those moments in my life, you know, and in my book, I talk about them. I would say one of my hardest ones was about career. It was when I was a single mom and very broke and trying to reinvent my career from journalism. And my journalism career had kind of ended. I was at a reinvention point. And I knew in my heart that I had to make a living doing what I do today, numerology, intuition, spiritual teaching and healing. And yet it was 1999. Nobody did that for a living that I knew of (laughs) back then. And my whole family said, oh, my gosh, you're going to lose your child. You lose your home. And yet my soul was going, I can do this. This is my real work. I've given it away for free for years, and now I'm going to make it my purpose and make money from it. And that's the thing. We have to know that our true work is connected to money because we have a thing of saying, oh, the money can't come from our real work. We have to get that elsewhere. No, this universe is designed that we each have a great gift and we're supposed to be making our money through that. And so when I finally did that and built my own website and started seeing clients, 
magic happened. Like you wouldn't believe. And I was able to keep my home and I was able to raise my beautiful daughter. And it was such a magnificent moment of knowing that you have to take a leap sometimes and it always works. And we have just a couple of minutes left, Sue, but I'd love to dive into how to utilize then the joy and the gratitude to continue to connect to soul and source and to amp up your life. Well, gratitude, we all know now, thank goodness, that you know people became aware of gratitude as a great energy shifter way back a few years ago. And that is true. I mean, in our darkest moments, even when we're grieving a devastating loss, when we can take a moment and go, Ah, what am I grateful for today? You know, I'm grateful that my cat is sitting over there and that she's alive and she's with me in this lifetime. I'm grateful that today the sun is shining. You just start with very simple things like that. And what you notice is your mind gets quiet and your heart opens. And joy, people say, oh, I never feel joy. Well, think of it this way. Remember when you were laughing with a friend and maybe, you know, sitting out looking at the stars and talking? You were feeling joy. That joy lives in you. It doesn't come from the mind. It comes from your higher self and your heart and your soul. Your divine lens reveals that you are a highly evolved soul who intended to shine your wisdom on the painful dark moments of your life and to help others do the same. You came here to shine love on your fear, to pour light on your greatest pain. Every single day of your lifetime has been perfectly designed to help you remember your divinity and shift out of the frightened ego view that's rooted in our physical experience of being human. In one moment of recognizing this, one heart-opening shift of perspective, your life changes, your soul speaks up, and your next step is revealed. This is from Sue Frederick's book, Through a Divine Lens, practices to quiet your ego and align with your soul. Check out our website at suefrederick.com. Join the retreat, uh, the Sedona Ascension Retreat in March, excuse me, and check out all of her other books and offerings that she has should you desire to have some sacred numerology. Again, that's suefrederick.com. Thank you, Sue, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. I am Simran. Until next time, be well. In love, of love, with love and as love. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.